Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and this podcast is going to be so very special. In this episode, we will answer the question, what is the best way to help my family heal from their traumas? To help us answer this question, I have invited one of my trained 21-day journey mentors, Heather, to tell her story of being adopted and then adopting children of her own. Throughout the episode, I will pause her story and point out key teaching points from her story that are important for you to know if you are wondering how to best help your family heal from their traumas. Her family needed healing. Maybe your family has a different story, but maybe your family needs healing as well. Heather came through my online 21-day journey to calm aliveness challenge and then took my mentor training program to be able to learn more and gain skills in leading somatic exercises and mentoring others on their healing journey coming through the 21-day journey. During one of those meetings with my mentors, she shared she was adopted, and then I came to find out later that she had adopted children herself. What a story, and what a change I saw happening in her. I actually didn't know all that was going on in her life and in all the ways that she was applying the work until she shared her story for this podcast episode. You are going to enjoy this, because as many of you will be able to relate Things did not go as planned in her life. Life does not go as planned. And this is what ultimately brought her to this work and to the 21-day journey. I'm excited for the profound lessons about trauma, families, adoption, and healing we will cover in this podcast episode. Let's get started. I was born to teenage parents. Um, My birth mom wanted to keep me. She had the perfect family in mind. My birth dad had other ideas. He himself was adopted and thought adoption was the perfect plan for me. He was bringing social workers in to talk with my birth mom, who is a teenage mother without support, was getting exhausted trying to care for a newborn and eventually asked the social workers if she could just place me for a night so that she could sleep. And unbeknownst to her, the paperwork she signed was actually my relinquishment. And so I, from there, I think I was probably placed in foster care um, because I wasn't adopted until I was three months old. And so I was with my dad and adopted mom until she died seven months later. And then a year after that, my dad remarried to who I call mom and my poor mom. I can look back now from where I'm at today and just see reactive attachment disorder all over me and my childhood. And my mom would have had no idea. (laughs) Poor thing. I have since apologized to her and she's so sweet. It's just, oh, honey, you weren't that bad. I'm like, oh no, mom, I remember I was terrible. But how could I not be, right? I mean, this was my story, but this is trauma. This is attachment wounds. I didn't know that then. This is nervous system disrupted on a grand scale. And so how could I not? So even though I was raised in a very loving family, I mean, I had a great family. I, of course, was, you know, just one of the kids, but I always felt like the black sheep. I always felt like 
I didn't fit in, like I didn't belong. I, I didn't understand these thoughts. Um, I didn't have Nancy Verrier's book, The Primal Wound, to explain to me that it, it was the primal wound from the loss of my birth mom that, of course, I was thinking that way. I just thought there was something wrong with me, but I can't identify it that I'm even having these feelings. And so I'm just going to shove them down and ignore them. And I'm going to compensate by overachieving. And I'll just be perfect in everything. And just the overachieve in academics, in athletics, I will just push myself hard to be the best all the time and to just be perfect. And so that's what I did. By the world standards, I mean, I was hugely successful, but at what cost? And that's the world standards, right? So constantly striving, constantly pushing, I never had any rest. I never had internal peace, but I didn't know that. That was just me. That was my mode operandi. Subconsciously, I didn't even know it. Trying to prove myself, prove myself worth because I didn't like myself. Okay, wow. Let me pause the story right there before Heather talks about where she ended up as a result of the striving and achieving. A loss of a birth mom is pretty significant. It's a huge loss, one that I think that many can underestimate. It's a loss that infants feel they will not survive. A part of them can feel like it dies with that separation from birth mom. For at that time in their life, it is the only person they have known who can help them survive. And so at that time in their life, the fear, the panic that is caused with separation from mom, they have to actually use their internal emergency break in order to not let their physiology, their biology, meaning their blood pressure, their heart rate, their breath rate, their blood acid levels get out of control. What is their emergency break? Ah, it's the vagus nerve, but not the social engagement part of the vagus nerve. It's the shut down everything because I'm overwhelmed part of the vagus nerve. There are different names for this. See which one you can recognize. Dorsal vagal response coming out of the polyvagal theory. Freeze response with somatic experiencing or trauma response. And everyone eventually has this trauma response happen in their body. It's only a matter of time. The age at which it first happens and the age in which it becomes a predominant means of survival shows up in our neurodevelopment. In the podcast episode with Betty Lamont, it was part one, where I made the analogy to the growth rings on a tree. And this is the effects that we can see on when this internal emergency break became a predominant means of survival at what point in our neurodevelopment. And it shows as we grow from that foundation. And then there are different types of belief systems that are so predictable coming out of different stages of development. And this is part of the growth rings on a tree that we can see the effects from these different stages of development. I don't belong is a common felt sense that gets wired into our body. It becomes a body feeling. It becomes our intuition that we don't belong. And it doesn't matter what you tell yourself or others tell you. It's just how it feels in your body. I don't belong. And you don't have to have been adopted to have this felt sense. It is quite likely that you've also experienced overwhelm if you have this felt sense of, I don't belong. And you also had to have used your trauma re response emergency break in order to experience that internal panic of, I don't know how to survive this in the first six months of your life. 
Things you may find yourself feeling if you had early attachment trauma in the first six months of life include, I don't love myself. I definitely don't like myself. And yet driving ourselves to be and to do something, to be achieving, to be productive. How many of us are successful in the eyes of others? And yet inside, we aren't happy. We don't even like ourselves and we feel that we don't belong. Maybe we shut those feelings down, but deep inside something fills off. And this is from a felt experience in early life that has literally become our biology. It's what happened to me. And this is exactly what happened to Heather. Shoving it deep down, not paying attention to how we are feeling might seem to work for a while, but eventually our bodies will get our attention. And for Heather, her body started to get her attention. As part of that striving and achieving, I ended up at a military academy. And I tell you, the military, of course, it's a perfect place for trauma survivors to go. That do, 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 perform, perform, high stress. So that's what I did. And that takes a toll on the body. And so a few years after serving, I ended up having medical issues that no one could explain and ended up uh, being discharged with a disability. But to look back now on the state of my nervous system, well, of course I was having neurological issues. I mean, how could I not? My nervous system was in such the state of stress constantly that of course it's going to go haywire. (laughs) My husband and I married, we were classmates at the academy. We married right after graduation and he is now the love of my life. And, And I can say he is the love of my life, but so many years of my marriage subconsciously, again, this was not conscious thoughts. I could not have articulated this, but subconsciously, I was not able to fully accept and receive his love and subconsciously doubted that I was even lovable. How how could he really truly love me? So it's sad. It's sad to think about now. But of course, looking back from the attachment wounding makes perfect sense. So after I got out of the military, started having kids, having our family, and I worked so hard to be the perfect mom. Of course I did. I, I was I was going to be perfect. I was going to do everything right. I was going to raise my children right, had them in church, had, you know, was homeschooling them. I worked so hard. I worked so hard nonstop. And I have such compassion for that part of me now that was constantly working. The one the one huge, huge piece that was missing though is I didn't have that capacity or that understanding of true relationship. You know, how could I? With the attachment wounds, how could I? I want to highlight two key signs of stored trauma that just showed up in Heather's story. One is health issues. Two is a sense of disconnect from authentic relationships. Let's talk about health issues first. How or why could these early absorbed messages and experiences end up becoming health issues? When we look at our biology, it makes perfect sense. Life experiences become our biology. The earlier the trauma response started to happen in our life, the more health issues we will have. We can keep pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves through the symptoms until one day our body breaks. You may get a big diagnosis. You may not be able to get out of bed and you barely recognize the once productive, successful person you were pushing yourself to be. There are many written books on this subject. 
One of my personal favorites is Scared Sick by Robin Carmorse. Dr. Gabor Mate wrote the book, When the Body Says No. Both are really showing the connection between overwhelm, trauma, and disease. Now, the second thing is this sense of disconnect. And this is actually not only predictable, but it's unstoppable when a person has early life trauma that continues to not be addressed. This sense of disconnect, this is what I saw in my dad. This is what I saw in my son. Seeing it in my gal, my adopted son, was what finally allowed me to see it in myself. And yet, unlike my father, who was adopted, unlike my son, whom I adopted, I was not adopted. I am not supposed to have attachment trauma. Yet, I recognize this very thing that Heather mentioned, and maybe you can relate to it in this way. People can love you, but you don't feel lovable. People can tell you all the wonderful things you are, but you don't feel it. Now, you may still put a smile on your face and you may say thank you, but inside, you don't feel it. They say things to build your self-esteem, but you know it's not true, so it doesn't even land. And you feel this disconnect between what they are saying and what you feel inside. And you get the sense that they don't really know the real you then. And if they did, they wouldn't like you just as you don't like yourself. That creates such a disconnect, not only in relationships, but with ourselves. Heather doesn't know all of this yet. (laughs) She doesn't know what she is experiencing is not who she really is, but just the downstream effects of her early life attachment trauma. And so get this, listen to what Heather does next. So after we had two kids, um, God called us to adopt. And so of course I'm familiar with adoption. I'm adopted, right? Yeah. Okay. How hard could that be? I was going to have the best, we we would be the poster family for adoption. (laughs) Of course, everything I was doing was focusing on attachment, understood that was hugely important, did not understand trauma, did not understand the nervous system and development and the importance of neurodevelopmental movements at the time. So we adopted three babies in four years. <laughs> and then we went on, we had two more biological kids, thought our family was complete. And then God called us to adopt again. And we adopted an older child with special needs through foster care. And though we were experienced adoptive parents, having all of these missing pieces of understanding trauma, of understanding attachment wounds, of understanding neurodevelopment, we were not aware of what we didn't know, didn't know what we didn't know. And we kind of proceeded to live the um, stereotypical adoption nightmare for the next several years um, of adopting an older child through foster care. My response, of course, was to try to control the situation. And I just had to do more. And boy, does that take a toll. That hypervigilance that set in the dissociation that resulted in trying to control just what was an uncontrollable situation. And so three years into that adoption and my entire family was in crisis. Everybody, my kids were falling apart my marriage was falling apart and I was ready to disrupt the adoption. We we needed help. Thankfully, I came across um, a a family camp for kids with reactive attachment disorder. And so that kind of was the start 
of our family's healing journey, um, definitely changed our parenting style. And I expected things to start getting better, but actually they started getting worse as far as behaviors from my child and became explosive, violent, really, really bad. But I still didn't understand trauma. I still didn't understand the nervous system. And so I just kind of assumed, especially with the two youngest, they were so little. They were so little that they're resilient. Kids are resilient. This isn't going to affect them. And how naive, how naive I was by, by keeping the child in our home, the five youngest nervous systems could never settle and relax. They never felt safe. In my one-on-ones with a therapist, I could tell he was trying to lead me to make some connection and I never could make that connection. And finally, on the last day, when we're getting the plan moving forward, he just looked at me and he said, Heather, you have your own trauma story. And if you want your family to heal, you need to do your own trauma work. And it was really interesting because my story was just my story. That's not trauma. It's my story, right? That's just who I am. But in typical fashion, okay. I want my family to heal. I want my kids to get better. If I have to do my work, let me jump in wholeheartedly. (laughs) I found an amazing trauma therapist and I showed up in her office that first visit. And I said, I am here because, because I was told I need to, and I'm all in. And so let's get this done in a month or two. (laughs) Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea the depth of the trauma wounds, the attachment wounds, still didn't understand about the nervous system. And so I began working with her, began to, goodness, for the first time, learn to connect to my body. That was really interesting. I lived in my head, completely in my head. My body was there to do what I needed it to do. And my body better not fail me because I'll just push it harder and make it work harder to do what I want to do. And I remember before we could even begin any EMDR, It took so long for me to learn to connect to my body sensations, which is really funny looking at the work we're doing with Dr. Amy, right? It's all about those body sensations. I had no no clue, no connection to it at all. Heather is going to tell us next what worked to get that connection with her body sensations, which ended up being the key to unlocking the healing for her. You know, life has this beautiful way, does it not, of leading us down paths that give us our own healing opportunities. Now, I understand that's not always how we see them in the moment. (laughs) We see it as, why is this happening to me? And yet that is part of what life does in a way that gives us our healing opportunities. Heather was trying to help her children and her family heal, and it wasn't working because something was still missing for Heather. I love what that therapist said to her. Heather, you have your own trauma story. If you want your family to heal, you need to do your own trauma work. For each of us, healing begins with me. For each of us, we can only share what we already have. We can only take others as far as we have gone ourselves. Heather had to make a shift. Instead of focusing on others' healing journey, it was time to focus on her own. Mm, How many of you can relate? I know for me, You never could have convinced me years ago that I had trauma, let alone that I needed to do trauma work. And yet life brought me to a place where my world and my health came crashing down 
And I got to make that decision. Do I show up for my own healing journey? Will I take this opportunity that life has given me to now do my own healing work? What was the one thing Heather needed to do to help her family? She needed to create a felt sense of safety for herself. She needed to do her own work. She needed to feel worthy and loved by herself. She had to choose whether she would show up for herself and for her own healing journey. And Heather dove in deep and she started searching for answers. Let's find what she finds is that missing piece. And this is actually when our paths first cross. I knew I wasn't where I needed to be, you know, what, what, what else, what more do I need to continue this journey? And, um, in that process came across Dr. Amy sounded a little weird, a little woo woo. What's the somatic stuff. What I recognized though, was that I hadn't done any somatic work though. I'd done a lot of trauma healing modalities, no somatic work. So I decided to take the 21 day journey and holy cow was not prepared to actually experience stuff, releases, literal releases in my body just from doing somatic work and was able to finally shift out of that chronic stress state and into parasympathetic. And that that was amazing. And so then I continued my journey taking the all parts of me. And again, oh my goodness, To finally understand that inner critic who was saying, you're not enough, you're not worthy and recognize that that's what it was. It was just a part of me. It wasn't actually me. And that inner critic was actually trying to help me to not ever feel the depth of that grief that comes from a child losing a birth mother. Because for a baby, that loss is akin to death. And so that inner critic and all of those those negative thoughts that I was having were actually trying to serve my baby self to keep me from dying and to gain that understanding and then to gain the compassion for myself. No wonder I was working so hard for so long trying to survive and recognizing now, but it's not serving me anymore. My adult self does not need that. My authentic self can step into who I really am and can learn to be authentic and peaceful and learn to be in relationship. So what had been missing for Heather? What was it that she needed? When we look at these stored felt senses, this felt sense of, I don't belong, this felt sense of disconnect from oneself and others. So often we try to address it with thoughts. We tell ourselves that we should feel connected. We tell ourselves that we do belong. We even tell ourselves that we feel safe or that we should feel safe. What's wrong with us? But at the end of the day, those thoughts and telling ourselves how we should feel does not change how our body feels. It's our physiology that drives the thoughts. We need to rewire these felt senses in our body according to the biology that stored them there in the first place. By first connecting with our body and learning to listen in a non-judgmental way and really getting to know our own nervous system, guess what? That's how we can start addressing these stored patterns and change them. As we learn to connect with our body, 
it will tell us what it needs. Things start to shift. We get to be curious about what's showing up, why it might be showing up right now, and what it needs. And we learn to create, get this, we learn to create a felt sense of safety in our body, and then a felt sense of support, and that felt sense of belonging and connection. We're not waiting for life or other people to create safety for us, to create support for us, to create a sense of belonging and connection. We get to start by doing that for ourselves. And we do that by focusing on the body first, those body sensations, and the other pieces begin to fall in place with time. Our thoughts begin to change on their own. The felt sense in our body starts changing our health symptoms too. This is the essential sequence that I talk about. First, we must learn to connect with our body and develop a felt sense of safety before we can address the thoughts and health symptoms. This is what Heather refers to when she's talking about somatic work. (laughs) Sometimes that word is not understood because we haven't heard it much. Somatic refers to our body. Actually, it's the Latin word for tissues. Our issues are in our tissues, are they not? And it's learning to track our nervous system, learning to track the sensations that show up in our tissues that tell us what is happening in our nervous system. We get to slow down and actually listen to those sensations, those messages and signals coming from our body and give it what it needs to shift to a state of what I call calm aliveness and regulation. As we give the body what it needs and we move through the essential sequence, We can't do it out of order. We have to move through the essential sequence. And that's when we get to move into expansion and actually experiencing joy. And that's the most exciting part of Heather's story next. And so to gain that capacity for presence and even joy, which was something that I only realized I was truly experiencing last Christmas for the first time ever. And that was amazing because I used to always hate Christmas. Do you know how much work Christmas is? Do you know how much work you have to do, do, do to make things perfect for everybody? I mean, that was my mindset, right? That that was what I thought I needed to do. And for the first time last Christmas, I came up with this idea. I was, I decided to wrap up everybody's stocking stuffers into one huge saran wrap ball. And that would be the way they would get their their stocking stuffers. And as I was doing it, I was actually thinking of just their expressions on their faces when I plopped that ball in the middle of the table and said, have at it. They were going to look at me like I was crazy. Who is this woman and what is she doing to us? And I started giggling and I kept wrapping tighter and adding more saran wrap and and just (laughs) started giggling and giggling. And And my husband was helping me. He's like, what is so funny? I'm like, they're going to love this. No, they're going to hate this. I'm going to love this. And that realizing that light expansion that I was feeling in my chest was joy. And oh my goodness, it was glorious. It was glorious. And so obviously recognized in that moment that that's the work with the nervous system has been the missing piece. And that was where I needed to continue focusing and continuing the work. As I've come to know myself and come to be at peace with myself and come to learn to rest 
oh my goodness, I used to never be able to just sit and be or sit and rest. There was always something I had to be doing. And to be able to be at that place where I can just sit and be and be fully present with whoever I'm with has been amazing. And to have, you know, experience that taste. I'm not there yet. I still have a lot of work to do, but to experience that taste of that calm aliveness has been incredible. And I will tell you 30 years of marriage and this last year and a half, the work done in me, the way that that has just drawn my husband and I closer together. I have the relationship with my husband that I never thought would be possible. I I never thought I would be able to be loved and accepted and love and accept in return the way I do now. And it was because of those core beliefs that I wasn't lovable. And, And to now have those resolved, that inner critic calming down that, oh no, he really does love me. You know, my husband really does love me that deeply. And to be able to accept it and receive it has just just been amazing. And I, I have that hope. I hold out that hope that I will get to that place in my relationship with all my kids. Not there yet. They obviously still have their own journeys that, that they need to go on. And I, I pray that they do so that I can have that level of relationship with them one day. And in the meantime, I'm grateful as I continue my own work that I have the increased capacity to continue to be present and to continue to be available to be in relationship with them wherever they are at and just love and accept them for who they are, even where they're at. I will admit that these are the stories that make everything so meaningful for me. These are the ones that give me the goosebumps. Heather sharing that she experienced joy for the first time at Christmas. Joy at a time when she had never experienced joy before. Others going through the 21-day journey, and they get to that part of the journey where, oftentimes in tears, and they will share, I have never felt this safe before. And since I haven't felt this way before, I didn't even know that I didn't feel safe before. This is the possibility. This is what is possible when we show up for ourselves and do the work. For each one of us, healing begins with me. And until we do the work, we don't even know what's possible. Heather is a beautiful example of focusing on our own healing journey, learning to get to and live from that place of calm aliveness, then gives others the invitation to join us in that space. And yet we cannot take their journey for them. Heather experienced some pretty powerful shifts that she shared with us in her story, from experiencing joy at Christmas to having a depth of connection with her husband that she didn't even know was possible. Heather is seeing the results of doing the work. This doesn't just happen on its own, you guys. This is us showing up to do the work to create these new experiences for ourselves. That is the healing journey, creating new experiences for ourselves and making sure they get recorded into our nervous system and our body. Where did she begin? The first step on that essential sequence, bringing in safety for the nervous system, connecting with her body, not just pushing through, connecting with her body and learning to give her body what it needs to feel safe. 
and calm and connected before trying to build on anything else. This is what so many people are calling just the missing piece. They've been doing work for years, for decades, and coming back and connecting, learning how to connect safely with the body. This is what allows them to start to create different experiences that creates amazing shifts in their body. If you want a bit of what Heather has had, and I hope that you do, I want you to know that it is possible. It is possible for even you to start to create different experiences for yourself, walking through that essential sequence, safety, support, and then expansion. And then let's see what happens for you in your life, in your relationships, and in your physical health. I so invite you to think of the possibilities and to have that renewed hope that let's give this a try and see what happens. There is hope. There is hope. It doesn't matter how many years you've been stuck in the sympathetic drive, 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 push, push, push. It doesn't matter how many relationships you have struggled in. Once you start doing your own work and recognizing that the things that the parts of you and your nervous system have been doing for you have been to help you and you can start to work with them to calm them down to where they can continue working for you, but in that way that's going to bring you into parasympathetic, that's going to help you to just rest and increase your presence. You will actually achieve joy and be able to go deeper in true relationship with others than you'd ever been able to before. So there is hope, be open to it and be willing to do it. In this episode, we looked at what is one thing that we can do to help our families heal. And what we learned was that we get to start our own journey. Healing begins with me. We get to develop the skills and experience of creating safety, support, and then expansion for ourselves. And the journey begins with the nervous system. The journey begins with our own internal physiology and learning to create a physiology of safety, a biology of safety. That's what starts to move the Titanic in a different direction. I invite you to take one step, just one step. You don't have to take the whole journey at once. Just take the next step. And maybe that next step for you will be to sign up for this 21-day journey and have the guidance to make sure you are working with your system in the right way. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. And as she said, there is so much hope. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I will see you next week as we continue to dive into the biology of trauma and the powerful shifts that can happen when we give our body what it needs according to the biology to release the stored trauma. See you at the next episode. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love.